Listen, uh, good morning. Um, I'm not preaching this morning. I have a good friend, uh, Dr. Jamie Mitchell, who's here with his wife, Chris, uh, who is uh, leading us in God's word this morning. Uh, Jamie and I have known each other for a while. Uh, he is a guy in town. Uh, he's not always lived in Raleigh. He pastored for many years uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and um, before being here. And since he's been here, though, Jamie and I have stayed connected. He's a guy uh, that I can go uh, to coffee or lunch with, uh, just a pastor who has many years of experience, and just, just to get encouraged and just to talk with just a, a great extensive amount of ministry experience, both you, Jamie, and Chris, and, and just a lot of solid biblical uh, just knowledge and just the ability to really encourage pastors. And so he uh, has a ministry called E12 Solutions, um, and he also works with the American Pastors Network and just, just has his hand in a lot of things. And hopefully this morning uh, you will give your attention uh, to God's word as Jamie preaches a message preparing for Easter. So Jamie, come with us and uh, share. Good to be here with you uh, again. I was here this summer when your pastor was on sabbatical and uh, you were working through the book of Second uh, Peter and he asked me, he said, I need you to preach on this day. I said, well, I'm, fortunately I'm free that day, but why that day? He said, well, of all the passages in Second Peter, we gave you the hardest one. And I said, thank you, Matt. So thank you, Matt. So when he called me a couple of weeks ago, he said, hey, I'm going to be at this retreat. Would you mind preaching? I said, yeah, no problem. Matter of fact, it's the only Sunday I have free until July. And, uh, and I wanted to say, are you assigning me another passage? And he didn't. He said, you can preach on anything you wanted. And I said, perfect, perfect. So take your copy of God's Word, and if you would, turn to Luke uh, chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Now, um, how many of you watched uh, the game last night? How many? Oh, good. Okay. Well, I was in good company, so I'm a little tired myself this morning, like you. Uh, and so this morning, when I woke up, I thought, you know, too bad. I, you know, I hope this doesn't sour you, but I, I'm, I was rooting for Duke last night. Not because I have a, a allegiance to either of them, but I, I'm a big Coach K fan, and I just wanted him to go out in a blaze of glory. So when they lost last night, I immediately thought to myself, well, at least there's the consolation game. Now, some of you are looking and say, well, what are you talking about? Well, I, I don't know what I was doing. I fell asleep somewhere because in my history, I used to really get excited equally with the, the final game, but there was also a consolation game that usually was played on Monday afternoons. So I thought that they were still playing that game. And so I looked up this morning what time it was. Well, I quickly found out that the last time they did a consolation game was 1981. So I don't know what happened to me. I fell asleep the last 30 some odd years uh, because I really didn't care who was playing the consolation game ever before. So just for trivial pursuit reasons, the last one was Virginia beating LSU in the consolation game for third place. So they don't do that anymore. But I thought it would have been a cool thing to have Coach K at least coach one more game. And probably it would have been watched more than the final, final game. Maybe not if you're a UNC fan. But the, the, a consolation game is kind of a warm-up. It's a warm-up to an event. Every great event has a warm-up. 
I, I like boxing. I grew up in New York City. I used to sneak in on the Long Island Railroad to Madison Square Gardens and watch on Friday night the boxing uh, uh, fights. My, I got in trouble with my parents when I did it when I was 15 years old once, but that's a whole other story. But they, the, 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 the lead up to the big card were these warm-up fights. It got everybody excited for the big event. You know, uh, comedy performance, musicals, baseball games. They, get, they send somebody out before the game starts to warm everybody up. Uh, we even attended uh, Circus Soleil once down in uh, Orlando, and they send a comedian at to get everybody stirred up, to get your attention, to have people in their seat and in position ready to see the main event and understand the main event. You know, go get your bucket of popcorn, go get a drink, go to the bathroom one last time, and then sit down and get ready to see the main event. And most every big event has a warm-up. Well, as Matt even mentioned, or I guess Jack did when he was doing the announcements, well, we're two weeks away from the greatest event and remembering the greatest event of all history, and that is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Without question, that is the big event in the Bible. But what's interesting is that there were some warm-up acts to Easter. Matter of fact, if you take some time, um, I would encourage you, if you don't have one already, and maybe this is even a new little piece of information, to purchase yourself a Harmony of the Gospel. Anybody have a Harmony of the Gospel in their home? Thank you. Okay, Matt. Your pastor does. Amen. I was waiting for his hand to go. You were in deep trouble, brother, if you didn't raise your hand. You need to buy Harmony of the Gospel. Harmony of the Gospel is basically, there's all different versions of it, but it's a chronological look of all the Gospels. It takes the four Gospels and it lays it out chronologically. And so you can watch the movement of Jesus from his birth right through to his death, burial, resurrection. And you begin to enter into the story of Jesus and what was happening. And I know that the, 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 the cross and the resurrection, that's important, it's coming. But you know what? You don't want to miss any event leading up to it. Because Jesus was born to die, he knew that day was coming, and every step along the journey, he's signaling, he's saying, hey, 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 just take a look at what's coming, and it's warming up. And what's interesting, before Jesus climbs the hill up to Golgotha, there are a number of events that take place. Literally, a week, week or two or days before Jesus goes to the cross. Some of his greatest teaching of parables took place just days before, and mostly pointing to his crucifixion. Literally days before was the raising of Lazarus, getting in people's mind the idea that a man can come back from the dead. The triumphal entry, which will signify next week on Palm Sunday. There is significance as he, as he comes in as a king, giving a picture of what was coming and that he would sit on the eternal throne forever and ever. The cleansing of the temple and, 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 and cleaning up the religious nature of God's relationship with God. The Last Supper, again, reminding him, as we will even do today, as, 
as is told to us, do this in remembrance of me. And then it says, until I come. So not only we look to the cross, but we look to the sky to when Jesus will return. And he's giving signals all along the way, preparing us for that big event of Easter. And the betrayal, the, the praying in the garden, the betrayal by Judas, and by the way, everybody, all the other disciples walked away from him. But there's one encounter that I want to look at this morning. It kind of we don't think as a lead-up to Easter. I think it's a great one. And it's the story of Zacchaeus. Now, um, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I realize that a lot of people come to faith in Christ after a while. They come when they are adults, and so they haven't had the chance to be in Sunday school and be terrorized by the songs that we learn in there. And then for some reason or another, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s now, but when I was a kid, I still, this is 60 years old, this song, Zacchaeus was a... Oh, good, you've been terrorized too. Excellent. <laughs> Outstanding. And, and you just remember that song. But more significant is remembering the story. So look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and let me read the story for us. He, being this Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. In the, in the Greek, it's we little man. That's what the Greek, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass the way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So let's just get a little background on this, and then we'll launch into some things I think will be encouraging for you and helpful for you. And the first question as I read this text, I ask the question, well, why is Jesus going through Jericho? Well, it, may, it makes sense because he's heading to Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem from Jericho is 34 miles away. It's about one day's journey, and he's traveling from the north down. He goes through Jericho, and then he starts hightailing it right to Jerusalem. He is on his way to the cross. He is on, he's just days away from starting the whole Passion Week. Other Gospels, as you will know when you buy your Harmony of the Gospel. A amen? Right. <laughs> amen. You'll see that in Jericho, many other things have taken place. 
Jericho is a hotbed of ministry for Jesus. He's known there. The many things have occurred there. And so the word of who Jesus is has already made its way to Jericho. So it's not surprising that Zacchaeus have heard of him. So what was a tax collector? Or another term was a publican. Well, these were Jews who were hired by the Roman government because they knew the townspeople, the townspeople knew them, but their job was to extract the Roman tax. They were hated by their fellow Jews. They were seen as traitors. They were not liked. They were not liked at all. Why, why is this significant in the text? I think if you read the text, you have your copy of God's Word, you, say, I mean, you want to circle the word, he's rich. I like how Luke does that. He gives the good, clear indication. Well, compared to his fellow Jews, he was rich. And plus, tax collectors had the right, by Roman law, to add a surcharge to the tax for their own salary, and some being corrupt, overcharged. Why is Zacchaeus seeking Jesus? Well, something has occurred in this man's life. Something has occurred. We don't know where or when, but something has occurred. A change has happened. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's heard about Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. He is stirred in his soul because something has happened. And he climbs up a sycamore tree. Why a sycamore tree? Well, I have not ever seen a sycamore tree around here, but sycamore trees have extended arms that are very strong, and you can sit up and even get out to the end of it, and because of its reach, it can put you right in a position. And if that sycamore tree is actually reaching over the path of the roadway by somebody's coming, they will basically go right under you. I mean, that's like, that's like front row seat at the game last night. That's why he went up the sycamore tree. So what was so scandalous about Jesus going to his house? You remember the text, he says, Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. Well, well, tax collectors being viewed by the rest of the Jews were evil. They were sons of the devil, and to the Jew, he would be saying, well, why in the world is this holy man, this rabbi, this miracle worker, why in the world would he go to the publican's house and even worse, break bread with him? It's one thing to have a conversation, but to sit and share some food with some guy like this is absolutely scandalous. We'll talk about why Jesus did that. Did Zacchaeus' good works save him? Or was it just an evidence of a changed heart? We're going to see evidence of a change, but i just give you a little upfront. Zacchaeus is saved by faith, just like any of us. He put his faith, a faith transaction took place he knew of who Jesus was and what he did and what he stood for, and he believed. And that's what changed him. And the good works that we all see are just evidence of the change. And finally, a good question to ask is, what indicate, why, why did Jesus indicate that he was also a son of Abraham? Well, Jew viewed their their lineage, their heritage, their connection to Abraham, them being a Jew as being something special, chosen, important. Friends, what he's saying to them is even though he was a Jew, he's now saved. 
his heritage, his lineage, his background, his re- all of that was good. However, there's something greater and something better. It was putting his faith in Jesus Christ. And so there, there's a lot about this text, a lot of questions we can ask. But what I want you to see is Zacchaeus' heart and, and how it was prepared and what was happening in his heart to get ready to receive meeting Jesus. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through Easter. And if you're like me, Easter is an event that takes place every year. It takes some priority in my calendar. It's somewhat of a, of, a, of a religious holiday. But I want to encourage you today is to prepare for Easter and maybe even suggest or make you begin to think, could it be that looking again at the story and the events surrounding Easter, God wants to speak to you in some new and fresh ways? That maybe because Easter is in our calendar, it's just not a holiday event that we get together and have ham and have some family over and pull out, pull out our, our, our eggs and our flowers and all that other nonsense. But we stop for a moment and say, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus change me? Who is this Jesus? And look at him afresh in a new way. But to do that, you have to prepare yourself like Zacchaeus. So what was in this story that tells us how we should prepare? Well, let's let's look at that. The first is this. Zacchaeus, I'm going to suggest to you that he approached seeing Jesus and encountering this Jesus diligently. Look at verse 3. It says that he was seeking. He was looking for. I believe that Jesus knew he was going to meet this, this person. I knew providentially. By God's sovereignty, he knew he was going to connect. He was going to see. It wasn't the happenstance. It just didn't happen. But Zacchaeus had to get up out of his house when he heard that Jesus was coming, and he had to diligently do everything he could to get to Jesus. There is divine purposes for every encounter, but do not lose the fact that this this tax gatherer went looking and seeking for Jesus. And he did it diligently. And even though he probably was discouraged, he was not welcomed, he might have been even ridiculed, it didn't matter. He was diligent in his focus of seeking and getting to Jesus. Even when there were roadblocks like his height or being so small that he couldn't, it seemed impossible to get to Jesus, Zacchaeus was diligent to get to Jesus any means possible. Now we're just a, we're a week away from what's known as Passion Week or Holy Week. And can I encourage you to have this same diligence, or I, I like this word, the same curiosity, the same childlike interest that, that Zacchaeus had to show up and get around Jesus and get around the story of Easter again and let it impact your life again. Start passionately seeking the Jesus of the cross and of the tomb and of the resurrection. Don't approach Easter as any same old holiday. Sure, it's nice to get flowers and bunnies and eggs and all that, other, but there's something to have much more greater diligence on, and that is to 
to come encounter with the risen Jesus again. Nothing was going to stop Zacchaeus from getting an audience with Jesus. At a minimum, just a glance. It would be better to hear, but to have him actually confronted by Jesus is unbelievable. And the Bible calls what Zacchaeus had was spiritual hunger. It was spiritual hunger. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They should be satisfied. Matthew 6, Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. But first, first his kingdom and who he is and the things of God. But even more personally, Believing that God has something to say to you personally and seeking after it at Easter time. What, what, what could God want to do in your life in these next two weeks? I mean, we should say that every Sunday. I mean, I, I just, you know, we, we should be passionate and hungry every time we come together as God's people. We should come ready. You know, the, to get on a Sunday morning to church is a Saturday decision. Did you ever hear that? It's getting ready on Saturday to be here on Sunday. It's preparing myself, getting ready, being ready to come and hear what God has for us. And I hope and I believe that's probably in the hearts of all of you here today. I'm going I'm to assume that. I know I'm getting trouble assuming. I'm going to assume that you came this morning and saying, God, you're going to have something for me today. But if not that today, let's use Easter and in the next two weeks, let's start asking God, God, I want to diligently seek you with all my heart because i got to believe there's something that you have for me in your word, by your spirit, in the services, around the people of God, and thinking about the risen Jesus Christ. I want to be diligent about that. I want to be passionate. Look, Easter is not something we just get through. It is an experience that we should all look forward to. There's a second thing. Zacchaeus was intentional. Verse 4, look at verse 4. It says, he ran on ahead and climbed up in the sycamore tree. Now, that's not just a good line to use in a song in Sunday school. So he's initially stopped because uh, he, he can't either get to them, but, but he starts to, to plan, to strategize. He says to himself, what must I do to get where I can see Jesus? And so he looks ahead, he moves ahead, he's intentional to get in the position, the best possible position, so he can be impacted by seeing and hearing and looking upon Jesus. And so I mentioned before about the sycamore tree, he looks ahead and he says, look, there's Jesus there, I can't get to him, but you know what, he's going to go down this path and look, there's a, there's a sycamore tree and he runs ahead. He plans, he strategizes, he plots out his course. He puts himself in the best position and he makes a commitment to do it. He runs ahead, he climbs the tree, and there he just waits for Jesus to show up. Next two weeks, can I challenge you to be intentional about this resurrection season and to put yourself in the best possible position to receive something from Jesus, to be intentional about Easter. Not just diligent, but plotting, thinking through, even doing it today. How can you maximize the next two weeks? 
give you a couple suggestions, whatever they're worth. Actually start reading the Scriptures. I mean, there's four Gospels. Start Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at every encounter, all four Gospels of the encounter of the Passion Week, starting with, let's say, the triumphal entry all the way through, because there, there are four views, but there's one good news. And every gospel writer, Matthew to the Jew, Mark to the Roman, Luke to the Greek, and John to the Christian, because John wrote his gospel around 70 or 80 AD, three generations after Jesus rose from the grave. So he has a really special experience. All four views gives you another picture of what that week was like. Why don't you plan to read through those gospel passages before you get to Easter? Prepare yourself. Be intentional. Be intentional on how you pray. I, I don't know your schedule for Easter. I, I don't know what you have planned here. But, but, but if you have a Good Friday service or you have a, a sunrise service or whatever you do here, and that, that's up to your leadership, whatever is being done, get there. Be there. Say, nothing's getting in the way. Everything else can wait. I'm getting with my church family because we're celebrating the greatest event that ever took place. Why are you slow here today? Okay, so. <laughs> Here's another thing. Invite somebody. Do you believe this is the greatest event that ever took place on planet Earth? Why not share that with somebody? Be intentional. But to get them here for Palm Sunday or Easter... You have to start today. They're busy. They're, that isn't a priority to them. But it sure would be. What a glorious thing to say, hey, I would love to have you come with me on Easter Sunday. Some, Easter Sunday is such a, a glorious day. Well, I want you to come and invite them. Prepare your hearts. I didn't plan on this. I, I didn't, you know, I'm kind of out of loop with how churches do communion and stuff, but how perfect. I mean, how perfect. In a few minutes, we're going to come around the Lord's table. And again, we're going to hold that bread. And as you hold that bread, it's not a piece of dough. You are looking at the representation of his broken body. And the beating, and the scorn, and the ridicule, and the torture, and the abandonment, and the wrath of God that that body took. And then you hold that cup. And you understand that the Bible says that it is through the shedding of blood is the remission of sins. And I've always thought, I'll get a little radical there, I always thought that for one-time communion, we should just basically pour it onto our heads and let it all drip down and remind us again that it's his blood that cleansed me of all unrighteousness. And today I am accepted by the Father and I have a place in heaven, and I'm a new creation. Be intentional this Easter. Zacchaeus was. There's a third thing. There's a third thing. And it is that he, he, he was ready joyfully. Look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus came to the place, he calls Zacchaeus down. Zacchaeus obviously jumps down from the tree, runs over. The crowd probably opens up so Zacchaeus can get through because Jesus has called for him to come. And he comes, and it says that, that Zacchaeus 
welcomed him joyfully. He couldn't believe it. The question is, did, did the Son of God know Zacchaeus was going to be there? Absolutely, a divine appointment. But here's the shock of shocks. Jesus knew his name. Don't miss that. He called his name. And he knows your name. He knows your name. So Jesus summons Zacchaeus, invites him to his home. Now just think about this. Zacchaeus hoping to, to maybe see uh, likely here, but not have the guy know my name and invite my house. Now, for me, basically, I'd be freaking out. I'd be saying, oh, I wonder what I did. I wonder what trouble I'm in. Why would he, this isn't, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And I would probably become a pile because I'm, th- I'm in front of somebody who I really wanted to meet and hear and talk with. I had that one, one-time experience. I, I uh, uh, again, don't, don't hold this against me. I'm a Survivor fan. I like the, the show Survivor. And I'm also, I also was, it's not on TV anymore for some odd reason, uh, the show Apprentice. I like both of those. And so, uh, and the producer of that was Mark Burnett. He's married to Romy Downey. So I'm coming back from a mission trip, landing in Florida, and a buddy in Florida calls me up and says, hey, you're gonna, I'm going to pick you up. You're going to stay with me for a day. Yeah, it'd be great, Steve. He goes, we got a stop to make. I said, well, what's that? He said, we're stopping. I have to have a meeting with Mark Burnett and Romy Downey. I said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I lost control. I was like, oh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, and I'm, I'm sitting. I have a picture with them. I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I was like a kid. I couldn't believe it. And, and, and I, and, and, but I, I got enough strength to ask the question, hey, could you have a pastor's version of Apprentice? I think I could win that. And he, he said, no, that would not be good. That would not be a good thing. But I can imagine how Zacchaeus felt at that moment. It says here that he welcomed Jesus joyfully. I want to be with him. I want to hear what he has to say. Even if he convicts me, confronts me, challenges me, this is the guy I've been wanting to see. Do you know that joy and being joyful is a choice? Happiness is a response of something that happens. So if you're happy, that's fine, but it's probably because something has happened. But joy is a choice. Joy is the disposition that occurs that we live in contentment and satisfaction because we understand the purpose of God, the plans of God, the person of God, or the people of God. The purposes of God, the plans of God, the people of God, the person of God. When I focus on that, when I choose to focus on those things, joy comes in my life. And Zacchaeus says, I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what he may say to me. I don't care if he convicts me and the things that I've done wrong. I already know I've done them wrong. I am just so joyful to come into the presence of Jesus and hear what he has to say for me. In this coming next two weeks, Choose joy. Lord Jesus, whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to learn, whatever you're going to show me new and fresh of your great death, burial, and resurrection, give it to me. And, 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 and God, I receive it with joy. Listen, beloved, what's happening in the world, in our country right now, does not naturally espouse joy. Certainly not happiness. 
There is heartache, there's uncertainty, there's anger, there's frustration, and we continue to be consumed with fear. And our answer is hope. And hope is seen in the resurrection. And when we focus our attention on what Jesus did at Easter time, it will bring joy. And that's what we see in Zacchaeus' life. We see the the preamble to what Easter will do. Diligence, intentionality, joyfulness, the fourth thing. Be prepared of the predictable and predictability. Verse 7, and they saw it. This is the crowd. And they grumbled. Look what happened. Everyone watching started complaining and criticizing and condemning. The text uses the word grumble. That means groaning, blaming, complaining, accusing. And look what they called Zacchaeus, a sinner. Well, that's strong. It means unredeemable, deplorable, someone who is accursed. Now, you would think if Jesus, who these people, the crowd believed that he was a man of God, he did miracles, they loved his teaching, he, they even had seen him deal with a demoniac and, 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 and help somebody who was demonically possessed, that they would be glad that he was going over to see a tax gatherer. Maybe he'll get saved and they'll lower the taxes. We could only hope, right? I mean, I pray that for every IRS agent. Instead, they become jealous, envious, and angry. Instead of rejoicing, they grumble and ridicule and complain. Listen, if you decide these next two weeks that God really wants to speak to you and that you want to maximize your Easter and you want to hear from the Lord and you're saying, I'm ready to do business with you, God. I'm going to leave this communion table, and I'm going to start a path these next 14 days of focusing on Jesus Christ, his resurrection, and asking you, Lord, to do something in my life. Do not be surprised spiritual warfare will begin. And be ready for it. Mark my words. Take it to the bank. People will discourage you, unexpected things will happen, unscheduled interruptions will show up, even good things like a phone call from a friend or a family member will happen on your way to church, obviously. It is predictable that when thing, when God wants to do something in our lives and we purpose in our minds that I want to, I want to focus my attention on the Lord, I want to start seeing some things happen in my life, I need to get some things right with God, that the evil one is going to rise up and do everything he can to stop that. Purpose in your heart right now. It is predictable that people and the evil one, even those in church, those well-intentioned dragons in the church, even believers, will be causes of disruption and upheaval. It is predictable. And if we're surprised, it throws us off and frustrates us. Don't let that happen. That's why Luke put that in there. Here's this crowd who should be happy that this sinner is now coming in front of the Messiah. And they complain. Number five, responsively. Fifth thing in Zacchaeus' life was this issue of being responsive. Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I've restored it fourfold. Zacchaeus approaches this encounter with Jesus, 
and responds, immediately responds. Now, many preachers and Christians get this story wrong. And they say that Jesus probably went home and he had a Bible study. And when he walked out, he announces that, that he got saved and he was repentant. But the text is clear. Zacchaeus gets down from the tree and immediately hears the grumbling and looks at Jesus and said, look, Jesus, I'm not the kind of guy that they're saying I am. Something's happened to me already. I'm not that kind of a tax gatherer. I'm different. And Zacchaeus tries to explain how he's been dealing with people benevolently, generously, avoiding defrauding and stealing from them. And if he has defrauded anybody, even if it was, I go back and I make it right. Change has already fully started to happen in Zacchaeus' life. He's demonstrating action, responsiveness, obedience, repentance, change. And it seems that God has already been at work in Zacchaeus' heart. Something is already drawing him. He's known that something's not right. He might have heard about Jesus. He might have been listening to Jesus before. But a change is happening. Now wait one minute. If Zacchaeus is a good tax gatherer, and maybe even following after God, then why did Jesus want to meet with him if the change has already happened? Because it's not about the meeting with Zacchaeus. It's allowing the crowd to see that Jesus was meeting with Zacchaeus. It was helping the crowd understand the reason why I came was for people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus and anybody else that you call and you name and you believe as a sinner is the reason why I have come. And you need to start to respond just like him. He's a good model. God has already started working in his life and he has responded honestly, humbly, repentantly. And the people of Jericho are now witnessing what Jesus does in a life. And as we enter the most holy of weeks and we look to have an encounter with the risen Christ, can I appeal to you to be responsive to the Lord? To be responsive. Don't be like the people of Jericho. Be like Zacchaeus. And maybe the most honest thing to ask is, do I need Christ? Now, again, I make assumptions a lot of times that we're a church and we're believers who are gathering together and we come into the fellowship together and, we, and probably most, if not all of us here, know Jesus Christ. But there may be somebody who slipped in here today or maybe somebody who's been attending a while and you like being here, but if you're really honest, you've never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. What a glorious thing to do today. Today could be that day of salvation. Today could be that day that you bend the knee and humble yourself and say, this Jesus who we've been singing about, I want him to be my Savior and Lord. Today's that day. But for the rest of us who know him, if we're honest, we all still need to change. We're not perfect until heaven. And Raleigh's good, but it's not heaven. And so we need changing from now until that day when we step on the shores of heaven. And so what is God speaking to you? And will you be honest and humble and repentant to say, I need to take steps of change. I need to respond. One final thing. 
be expectant. Look at verse 9 as we finish this. He says, he says this, Jesus declares something amazing. Has this encounter with Zacchaeus? Glorious declaration. Today, today I want to announce salvation has come to this man and his household, and God has been at work at this man's life. And what's amazing is he hasn't even gone into it yet. Glorious, glorious declaration. The people obviously did not expect to hear that the tax gatherer like Zacchaeus could be saved. Maybe Zacchaeus didn't fully understand it, but we know one thing, God expected it. Because that's what God is in the business to do. Matter of fact, Jesus declared that. In verse 10, he wraps this whole thing up and he says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. That, that's the, that's the warm-up to Easter. You want to know why I'm going to go to the cross? You want to know why I'm going to be, go through all that I'm going to go through in the next couple of weeks? I want to tell you why. Because I have come to seek and save those who are lost. That's what's Easter about. In your life and anybody else who needs Christ, that's what Easter is all about. And so Jesus then heads to Jerusalem, to Golgotha, to the grave, to help us know redemption and salvation and provide for us a way to get back in relationship with God. Expect God to show up at Easter. Expect God to speak to you. Expect to have change in your life. Expect that God wants to work in the life of people that you invite. Expect it. Expect it. Back in 2004, another day, another age, I was obviously pastoring, and every year, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible thing, but every year in a preacher's calendar comes Christmas and Easter. Did you know that? It happens every year. It's a terrible thing. And after a number of years, I have to admit, sadly, that I got bored with Christmas and Easter. I mean, there's only so much you can do with a star and a shepherd and a manger and some magi and over here, a donkey, some palm branches and a garden and this. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. And I, I, I got to the point where I even started to, to even get some special speakers in for some of the holidays. Because I just said, I, I got nothing else. Well, God so convicted me. He so convicted me that I took a couple of days and I went away to a Bible conference and I said, I'm not leaving here until, God, you give me something fresh for Christmas and Easter. And I left after four or five days of having an encounter of God and re-looking at those stories with four or five years worth of Christmas series of messages and the same for Easter. And every year I approach it the same way. I'm down at uh, Cambridge Village, a retirement community, and I, uh, people of all different backgrounds, and the worship team can come if they want. They're going to lead us around the Lord's table. And they, they are all different traditions, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, this, that. And, and all of a sudden, they, they began to tell me, we, we need to have a Maudy Thursday service. Maudy Thursday? I never had a Maudy Thursday service in my life. What is that? And so I started to look at the life of Jesus in the last week of Jesus. I was so convicted again to see his greatness, to see everything that Jesus did was pointing me to Easter. Zacchaeus points us to Easter, prepares our hearts. Be diligent. Be intentional. 
be responsive, be joyful, and expect that God is going to do something at Easter that maybe he's never done in your life because now your heart's ready. Climb up that sycamore tree and get ready for Jesus to show up.